And this morning, we had privilege to have a speaker who will help us going to that track. He's, uh, he's been a, he, he visited us before. Um, he's, um, I don't know how to introduce him because I, I probably will require 20 minutes to introduce him here. Okay. Um, he is Anak Tibatak. Okay. You know what, what, what's that? Okay, he's from Anak Tibatak. He's uh, Ilocano. Okay, if those of you are Ilocano, you, you can relate to him. Um, he, I think he played hide and seek with Ferdinand Marcos, okay? Uh, Frank Obien, okay? Pastor Frank Obien is with us, and of course, um, the, the dear wife, Rosie. He's from Batak, Ilocosur. His wife, Batak, Ilocos Norte, sorry. Philippines, sorry, I'm American, okay? <laughs> His wife, Rosemary Lorenzana, is from Tagudin, Ilocosur. They have been married for 150 years, okay? <laughs> of December for, as, as of December 14, 2013, no, 50 years actually. Dr. Obien's Dr. Uh, uh, parents were from the Philippine Methodist Church missionaries to the San Francisco Bay Area where they founded the first Filipino Methodist Church in the early 1940s. I wasn't even born then, you know. <laughs> Frank attended San Francisco schools before graduating from Stockton College attending University of Pacific and graduating with honors from UCLA in music education. Sounds like me, huh? <laughs> he studied piano at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. He holds a master's degree in UCLA in education, a doctor of divinity and a doctor of humanities degrees from Los Angeles Bible College and seminary, wow. A master's degree in leadership, a PhD in education from Shelbourne University. This man is the, was the assistant of the president, the assistant to the president on international affairs for Dr. Bill Bright, founder of the Campus Crusade for Christ. Are you familiar with that? You know, during the time they were with Campus Crusade for Christ, they founded and directed the Philippine Campus Crusade for Christ in 1965. That's where our pastor, senior pastor Peter, was associated, and I think that's where our senior pastor met the wife Diana. Okay, so without I think Pastor Frank, Pastor Peter would not have been married to Diana, right? <laughs> and uh, Philippine Campus Crusade for Christ, International Student Ministry USA, Ethnic Student Ministry USA, International Development Department, The Great Commission Company, Coral, United Nations Ministry, New York. I am going to be tired here, okay? Dr. Robien was a director of International Office, the Music Ministry USA, campus director of five U.S. colleges and universities in California. You know, he founded the Phil Agape Foundation in 1989, working with Filipino gangs in the Los Angeles area. In 2004, he founded All Nations Christians Ministries through ANCM, most recently in 2007. Little Feet and Friends Startup Centers and Preschool Ministry that now has five schools in Ilocosur, La Union, and soon in Cavite. You know, he was nominated in 1991 as one of the most, uh, one, of the ten, one of the 20 outstanding Filipino Americans in America, honored in Washington, D.C. by the late Philippine Ambassador Emmanuel Pelaez. Do you know that guy, Pelaez? I don't know him too, okay, so it's okay. <laughs> Dr. Robien serves on board of the Cyber Missions and Consultant to the Promise Keepers and the Philippine Campus Crusade for Christ in Strategic Planning. And Rosemary is not you know, to be left behind. He's a graduate of Siliman University High, Union Theological Seminary, Philippines, 
Taylor University, Upland, Indiana. She attended Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, and they have two daughters, one son, and four grandchildren. What an awesome privilege to have this two to be with us this morning. Pastor Frank, the servant of the Lord, will speak to us this morning. Good morning. Uh, it has been a dream for me to be at a church like this because it is probably the only church that I know of that uh, emanates what I was in for many years, 25, 26 years, Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, because Peter and I, we were, we knew each other. Well, I knew him when he was like this. I don't know how old how old he was in 1965. Peter, uh, you don't know. I don't know how old he was, but uh, his family and our family, my wife's family, Lorenzana's uh, family, were involved in uh, Victoria manufacturing, uh, and uh, so we, we saw each other often, and then he got involved with Canvas Crusade for Christ. That's many years ago. Uh, we just returned from the Philippines in April, uh, celebrating the 48th year anniversary of Canvas Crusade for Christ, which we founded. And by the way, I want to, Rosemary, would you stand? That's, that's my wife of 50 years. 50. Too long. But when we arrived in the Philippines, in Manila, the person who was going to pick us up, you know, you go down and you, you, know, and you go to where well, they put your name up and there's a ride. Well, this is what they had there, and I was... So you know who's the most important. <laughs> okay, this morning we don't have much time and I have a lot to share. Uh, not, not because I know anything. And all the stuff that he's talked about is only a gift from God. I am not very smart. I had to work very hard at UCLA. But my father was a father who implanted in me the idea that I was special and that uh, I could do it and that uh, there should be nothing that would keep me from reaching whatever goal I had. And the reason was is that in those years when we grew up in San Francisco, when I grew up, when we came from the Philippines, and my dad was... Uh, establishing a new church among Filipinos in San Francisco. Uh, I was the minority in every, where I went, in school, 
And, and there, even when I went to UCLA, there were not very many Asians. Uh, they are now mostly Asians, 65 or 70%. But when I went to UCLA, uh, there was only a very few of us. And so it, it was only the reason that my dad gave me these ideas is that because he himself felt that he was special. Because when he came to the United States to become a lawyer, he went to a camp and he received Jesus Christ. And that changed his life. He was no longer going to be a lawyer. So his dream for being a lawyer changed. And he became a pastor. Big deal. And uh, we're from Batak. Uh, I was born there. And uh, apparently there were some relationships we have with uh, that president that we had. Uh, uh, and I remember when my mom was at the Baguio airport that he went over and said, uh, Avelina. So there was some kind of closeness. But I tried to stay away from that when we were in the Philippines and uh, because you don't sort of mix that kind of stuff sometimes. But it's important that you know people. So I'd like to, pre to talk today briefly because th this is, I'm going to sort of, put it together. There's three messages here in one. And I asked myself, what would I say to these people who, to me, you represent, I think, the most exciting group, I believe, that we have in Los Angeles, if not the United States. Why? Because you are being trained to be multipliers. You're being trained to do what God wanted you to do and wants you to do as a believer in Christ, to seek and to save the lost, to, fill the, to fulfill the Great Commission in this generation and every ge generation. And, I, and, I, and I'm just so thrilled to be able to know that uh, Peter and the vision and the dreams that he had as a result of what Bill Bright had and placed in my life. And I lived with him, I traveled with him for 70 countries for 25 years, we were on staff, and I was his personal assistant, and we went everywhere. I lived with him, a man spirit-filled, who liked ice cream cones. And one day when we were in Los Angeles, we went and dropped by, let's go get some ice cream. I said, ice cream? Bill Bright likes ice cream? Yeah. But he was a great force in the, in, in the Christian world. And to this day, millions have become born-again Christians because of the vision, the dreams that he and Vonette had. My wife babysat Brad and Zach at the UCLA house of Henrietta Mears, who was a Bible teacher par excellence at the Hollywood Presbyterian Church. Now, we, we wrote a book and it's all gone. I have to make uh, another uh, order from the Philippines. That, that, that if you want to know how Campus Crusade for Christ started, I have done that, and I wrote it for the staff in the Philippines in April. But we've run out of it, so I'm going to make someone. I'd like to make it available. Now, you have a copy. I don't think you have, you have read it yet. 
So as we start today, I want you to take in your bulletin my outline. There are four pages. And I want you to take a pencil or a pen, and I want you to take notes. Not because there's anything that is <laughs> uh, more excellent than anything else, but I want you to remember what I'm going to tell you. Because I will never be invited back again. <laughs> so what I say today is if I want you to remember. How to realize God's dream for you to help fulfill the Great Commission. How many of you had a dream last night? You don't dream? <laughs> How many of you have had a dream this week? Okay, good. Do you remember it? No. I try to remember the good ones. You get up in the morning, oh, come on, come on, what is it? What? And you forget it. God wants you to dream his dreams. And I want you to read this scripture. It's on the, on the scripture, Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, and that could be dream, some version, or, or uh, some versions say that, according to his power that is at work within us, to him to glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Now this verse is amazing. And I want you to remember it. Because as we exegete it a little bit later, you will find out that it's all you need to know to be what you need to be here at this church. So what is a dream? It is a condition or achievement that is longed for, an aspiration, an aspiration, according to the dictionary.com. A dream, according to John Maxwell, is an inspiring picture of the future that energizes your mind, your will, and emotions, empowering you to do everything you can to achieve it. Now, if you go to some people's houses, you see on the refrigerator pictures. Some of them have a car. I said, oh, that's a nice picture. What is that? That is my dream car. I want that car. And some of you who have been involved in multi-level marketing organizations, they suggest that you always picture what you really want, that you will dream it that you will implant it in your frontal lobe. That as a result of that, everything you do will be for the idea of achieving whatever you want to achieve. You got to keep it in front of you. Picture it. Envision it. Why is there in the back of this church? I don't know if it's your, the plans for this church are on the, on the back there. I don't know whether, whether that's your plans or the church, this plan. Whatever it is, you need to picture it. And as I was teaching for 50 years in high schools and colleges, if a student cannot picture it, he's not going to learn it. You've got to verbalize it. You've got to see it. You've got to write it. You've got to say it. Until it's implanted in your frontal lobe because you forget. So why do we go over things over and over again? I taught algebra, chemistry. I taught all of these crazy courses. And these kids, you know, they don't remember nothing. 
I said, I, said, I just, we just went over that. Where? Page 342. Oh. They're not in class. They're not here. Some of you are not here yet. See, you look like you're listening, but it's not registering. Why? Because you're not picturing what I'm saying. So I'm going to try to be as clear as I can. And I know your pastors here have been very excellent in communicating. Because they have this, this technology that you have here. But all of this stuff means nothing. I've been to more seminars. I have more books. I have more manuals. And the key is not going to these things. It's applying it. Amen? So you've got to apply it. I had in my classroom, somebody put it up there, knowledge is power. I disagree with that. It's applied knowledge. Write it down. <laughs> applied knowledge is power. Applied knowledge is power. Oh, I went to the seminar, and the workshop notes are there on my library, but I'm not doing anything about it. What is that? There was a pastor who was a new pastor in the church. I think it was in Kentucky. And uh, it was a small church. And the board invited him, and he just out of seminary. And he was telling him, wow, this is great. So he preached his first sermon. Second week, he preached the same sermon. The board said, oh, that's Good. That's okay. Maybe he forgot. Third week, he preached the same sermon. And the board said, we got a problem here. The fourth week, he preached the same sermon. They had a board meeting. Pastor, uh, you preach four services and four sermons, and they're all the same sermon. What's the deal? He says, when I see that you have applied that one sermon, I will change it. You see, that's what it's all about. That's why some people get things done. They don't talk about it. They don't think about it. They don't dream about it. They do what? They do it. They plan it. They execute it. So, a dream is an inspiring picture of the future that energizes your mind, your will, and emotions, empowering you to do everything you can do to achieve it. John Maxwell. Genesis 37, 1 to 5, talks about Joseph. Joseph had a dream. You know the story. We don't need to go by through it. But his, his brothers didn't like that. Threw him in a pit. Did all kinds of stuff. But God gave him a dream. And eventually that dream led him to where? To the palace. Now, Jeremiah says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God has a plan for you that you will have a future and a hope. 
Today, most of the young people, I have many young people here. That's fantastic. Uh, uh, the seniors are fantastic, too, because I'm 75 years old. Only. And everybody's important in here. So when you get my age or beyond, don't think it's over. It's just the beginning. And this the idea of retiring is a bunch of baloney. And if you like baloney, too bad. <laughs> I'm telling you, everybody in here is special. I'm telling you, everybody in here, God has a plan for you. And God has that plan to implant in you a dream that you will achieve it in your lifetime. I have died twice already. 19, no, 2004, I died for 15, 12 minutes. Gone. I was resuscitated. 2010, I died again. Resuscitated. I hope I don't die today. <laughs> I lost 90 pounds. I used to be 250 pounds. Now I'm 170. Okay. And the doctor says, you might live a few more years. I just had an operation. I still have, it's a, it's a new implant right here. I'm a robot, okay, just to keep me alive. And many years ago, many years ago after all this, I couldn't do this because my heart does not pump strong enough. But I want to tell you something. When Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for, the, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not evil. The founders of Campus Crusade for Christ, Bill and Violet Wright, had a dream. And that dream was executed because they became slaves of Christ. No one else. And they made a commitment and a covenant. And now, as you know, in 1950-51, when it started, I joined in 1958, and it was something else to be with Bill Bright, a guy who understood the dream that God had for him. Nothing else mattered. And he died because of a lung problem. He didn't get enough sleep. He went on and on and on and on. I traveled with him. I know his schedule. I have brightitis. You know what brightitis is? Multitasking, doing everything, never stop. And maybe that's why I died twice. But you know, I, we're investing, I'm investing in, 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 in eternity. And as I think of Peter, and I think of the Cabbage Crusade people, and as I went back and I saw 215 staff that were a result of what we started, and there were many, many more over the years, I said to myself, wow, the seed that we planted, look at it, the forest, and the seed that you plant, you will never... ...of CCF... 
were big dreamers. You have now a church in Manila that seats how many? 10,000. Wow. 10,000. When I look at this church right now, do you know what's going to happen here? If that happens to this church, you're going to have several churches in the Los Angeles area that will have 10,000 members. Now, some of of you don't think that's possible. Where's your faith? Do we serve a big God or a small God? Do we serve a God that is in a box? No. He is the same yesterday, today, and I went to a church just a week ago because we have these schools in the Philippines you might be interested in helping. Uh, we, we, we have schools for the poor children. 60% of the Filipino ch- child is not in school. So we scholarship them. So we have three, uh, three in Lucasur, one in La Union, one in Cavite. We have others that are, we want 250 schools in five years, if God will give me five more years. Three schools per province. I went to a church in Valencia. Never heard of it before. They're interested in helping us. They have 6,000 who attend Sunday morning. 6,000. Five services. Their auditorium only seats 1,200. Okay. Now, how many Filipinos are there in Los Angeles area? They're coming all the time, by hook or crook. (laughs) Legal or illegal, they're here. And that is your mission field. Because some of them are, they're into materialism. Why, how do I know this? I work with Filipino gangs. I'm on the Asian gang task force. I taught at Juvenile Hall downtown in Central for 25 years. And many of the Filipinos who were sons and daughters of the leaders of our Filipino community are in jail, including girls, especially from Eagle Rock, Walnut, Diamond. They love to shoplift at, at malls. They have a plan. I won't go into that right now, but I'm just telling you. You have a mission field here among our, your own people. And they're coming. They're coming. And they're finding that America and it's all of its whatever, when they get to have a big house somewhere with a Mercedes and a BMW and all of that stuff and et cetera, et cetera, and they have family problems and they get a divorce or whatever, they lose their kids to drugs, then is this heaven? The founders of CCCF were big dreamers. Are you a dreamer? God wants a dream. He gives you to become a reality. Put it down. There's a blank. Who doesn't have a a bulletin? 
Uh, this is participation now. This is not just listening and sitting there. I want you to participate. I want you to get a pencil. If you don't have a pencil, borrow one. Okay. God wants the dream he gives you to become a reality. Okay. Joshua. is a story that we won't have time to go over. But you look it up. Joshua 3, 1 to 3 and 3. You have to clarify your dreams. That's the next blank. Clarify. Put it down. Do you know, do you have a dream written down? Do you have a life dream for your family, your children? Do you have a, a dream for your ministry? What is it? Do you have a goal in life? What are you living for? You get up in the morning and you do whatever you do because that's what you do. You know, you can always hit your, your target if you don't have a plan. And that is nothing. So what is your plan for the day? Clarity. Be persistent. That's the number two. When you have your dream and your goal, some of you have goals. Young people, you want to go to the university, you want to become a, an accountant, you want to, you got all that stuff going for you. Maybe some of you don't know what you're going to do. There are no more jobs out there, by the way. I don't know what people are dreaming about, but the, the America is going downhill real quick. So we need, an, we need, we need a revival. Be persistent. Be patient to achieve it, and don't give up. Whatever goals CCF has for LA, make sure that you understand it, that you clarify it in your mind, that you can tell somebody about it, that you know where you're going. I don't know if you know where you're going in this church. Talking to your leaders, they know where they're going. They have a plan. And then, as in Joshua, you could cross over. You could cross over for how many years they wanted to cross over, and they didn't cross over. They had to be patient. But at the right time, when the Ark of the Covenant came and the leaders, the leaders took the first step, and that's why I'm saying any church that fails is the leadership is not taking the first step. The pastors are not witnessing daily weekly. They're not sharing their faith. They're not having Bible studies themselves. They're becoming executive pastors. The whole idea of this is to train you, to train others to follow the leader. And you're the leader. How can you become the leader? Easy. By the way, do you know that people watch you? Your children watch you. Your neighbors watch you. Everybody watches you. And if you say you go to CCF, what difference does it make? Okay? Have you written down your dreams from the Lord? Glean from his word. Because your real dreams come from the word of God. You cannot dream God's big dreams until you know the scripture. 
that the reason he came was to seek and to save the lost. And that should be in your number one plan, to seek and to save the lost. Not to invite the lost, but you go seek them. You bring them. You don't say, hey, would you like to come to church? Or you want to come to this? Or you want to come to that? And you think it's over? No. You go get them. I'll come and get you. Three o'clock. Be there. No, uh, no, no, no. You love it. We'll have, you know, we'll have refreshments, popcorn, whatever. Get them there. Why? Because what you have here or wherever it is is going to change their lives. Okay. So write it down yourself. You're managing your time. That might be your goal. I don't manage my time. You have 24 hours. It's the leveling, leveling factor in everything we do. Every executive, president, or whoever it is, millionaire, billionaire, or have 24 hours. How do you use it? Most of you are in front of a TV or listening to, to whatever. M M what do you call those things? Anyway, you put them near. I mean, everything, and then you're, I see everybody's walking, and they're talking, and when I'm in the Philippines, they're sitting next to each other, and they're texting each other. <laughs> I mean, what, what is that? No relationships involved. And I hate it when somebody's, you're talking to them, and, and this thing is, there, what is that? Stop that. In my classroom, I gave everybody an F who pulled out their phone while I was speaking. And I took their phone and I said, come get it later. Oh, my daddy and mommy, go ahead. Have your daddy and mom come see me. Okay? I don't put up with this stuff. Oh, by the way, it is off. <laughs> okay, now, your spouse, love her more, but maybe this be your goal. Maybe this is your dream. She doesn't look good, so I'm going <laughs> to give her a facelift. Or, uh, <laughs> my dream. <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the goals I had was to, to marry a blonde. <laughs> I don't know why. But when I met my wife, Rosemary, it was over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was walking up Westwood Boulevard near UCLA. She said, <laughs> because we're older now, she is now a blonde. so that you don't see the white hair. <laughs> but she looks good. I won't tell her her age, but she's older than I am. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your goal for your spouse? What is your goal for your children? That they will be more like Christ-like? You know, I, I, 
today I just feel sad that my children are not as close to the Lord as they should be. You know why? And I made a mistake. I was serving the Lord all over the world, and I did not give enough time for them. We're making it up. I'm making it up. Slowly. But the hurt, the hurt is there. So you can be a great evangelist and so on and so forth. Your number one priority is your family. There's only a few of you who clap, so the rest of you are in trouble. Okay. Your church. What could I say? Look at this crowd. I remember when Pastor Danny was with us for a little bit, and then uh, the Lord called him for this, and he only had a few. Look at you. I mean, but you know what? This is minimum. If you were maximized, you would have a thousand. How, how, how long have you been in existence? Three years? Okay, well, good. I'm sure that's great. I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want you to feel down on yourself, but I'm saying if we serve a God who is big and powerful and could part the Red Sea and could make the blind see, what's holding you up? I'll tell you what's holding you up. We're going to get to that in a minute. So, how can we realize God's plan and dream for you? Number one, Ephesians 3.20, the potential of your dreams. God is what? Able. Put it down. Number two, the production of action on your dreams. He is able to do what? To do. He's a, he's a person of action. He doesn't just dream. He doesn't think. He doesn't just plan. He does it. And a lot of people are thinking around, thinking about, thinking about, thinking about, thinking about, and nothing happens. Do it. Number three, the perpetual nature of God's ability to deliver is immeasurably more, unlimitless. More than you can think he will deliver if you're willing to allow him. Four. The prescription for realizing your dreams is what? To ask. Isn't that not so simple? It's so simple. It says, all we ask or imagine. What is asking God? That's prayer. How many of you pray every day? Yeah, after meals, when I'm in trouble, when I get an F, when I do that, that when I miss my curfew at home, whatever, when I lose my boyfriend or girlfriend, I will pray. No. You, every day, my wife is, I have to admit, my wife is more spiritual than I am. I don't know. Because she prays all the time, she reads books, she's my input. She comes to me with, oh, look what I read, look what I got. And I, I include that. Because so, we're partners. Okay. Ask and pray. It's in your book. Just 
what you just what you're you just besides the Bible, this is the next it's great. It's there. Next. Not only do you pray, the power to make it happen is what? Is is at work within you. How could that be? If you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit's in you. He's doing stuff. He's not asleep. If you allow him. But you can put him in a closet. You can put him in a closet. My wife and I, you know, because I can't drive, I couldn't drive for a while. Uh, had to drive. <clears throat> She's a good driver. But uh, I uh, wish I was in the driver's seat. Because when you watch your wife drive, You have a nervous breakdown. So I said, Doctor, can I start driving earlier than you said? Okay, 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 okay. She said, No. I wanted to be in the driver's seat. And you want to be in the driver's seat when the Holy Spirit is in control of your life. You think he doesn't know what's going on? And so you're bumping him. There's a dance called bumping the Holy Spirit from the throne of your life. And you want to get on, the, you want to drive. Oh, Lord, hey, hey, Lord, hey, I know better than you, so I can do this. And then something happens and, uh-oh, you haven't learned. The work is happening within you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, I was here. Pastor Insung, wonderful presentation. It's all in your book. Boom, 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 boom. Now, apply it. <laughs> Don't put it on yourself. But it's, this is to give him the glory. The purpose of our dreams is to give him the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is to go, not sit, not wait. That's evangelism. To make disciples, to baptize, to teach, and obey. And he will be with you always. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So don't be afraid. Some of you are afraid of talking about Jesus. If I, hey, excuse me for bringing this up. But if I'm a fag or a, a homosexual, I'm going to come out of the closet and say, I am one of them. And they'll stand tall. But when we say we're a Christian, see, they, they, have, no, they have no qualms about talking about their sin. Why would we have any qualms about talking about our Savior? Are you afraid? What are you afraid of? Oh, my God. So what? 
Jesus died for you. Take a, take a step. Like in Joshua, they took a step and crossed over. Take that step. Some of you have not shared your faith in Jesus Christ for a long time, even if you're a member of this church. Why is it that we don't do that? The problem you face in fulfilling your dreams. Proverbs 13, 19. It's in your, read it with me. I'll read it out loud. If you want your dreams to become a reality, there is something that you must do. It is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools will not turn from evil to attain them. Aha! Evil and sin is fun. It's fun. You have an illicit affair with somebody, while you're having it, it's sort of fun until you're discovered. You shoplift and you eat the candy. It's fun for a while until... The police are after you because you shoplifted. Now you're in jail. The professor, when he says, you did not qualify your quote with a footnote, you stole it. It's not yours. And those of you in school, you better be a witness to the professor because most of the professors are liberal, non-Christians, atheists, and they need the students to stand up to them and say, uh-uh. So what is it that keeps us from fulfilling our dreams? Our thought life. Our thought life. If Satan had a plan, the first thing, like David where did it start when he was standing on top of the roof? Hmm. A naked woman. Woo. And it's, he thought about it. He thought about it long enough to go over there and get in bed with her and have a baby that eventually died. He was not on the front lines. He was on top of the roof where he should have been in battle. And he saw. And today, folks, we are under attack. And the devil prowls a lie around like a lion waiting to <laughs> eat us and take a bite out of your butt. And you don't think he's not doing that? This church is number one. This church is number one priority for Satan to nullify your witness. How do I know that? When we went to Campus Crusade for Christ this year, I was looking at the figures. I was looking at the how come, how come, and how come. I didn't know. So they asked us to speak. Rosie took the women, I took the men, and we decided to ask one question. 
What in your life would be a stumbling block to reach God's dream for you in this ministry? I had had a piece of paper. Write down, don't put your name, nothing. I'm not a handwrite analysis person. I'll throw everything away. Write it down. Woo-wee. Now I knew the premier evangelistic movement of our time was stalled and derailed. Although there was there were things that were happening, although things, you know, wow, we got now uh, 500 campuses. We should be on 750 campuses by this year. It's not going to happen, folks. Why? Because there's carnality on staff. There is sin that is unconfessed. And you're going only through the motions. You know the words, you know the actions, but there is no power. Number one, on the men's side, pornography. That was number one. I would wage that in this room, there are some of you who are online watching pornography. Number two, relationships with people that have not been solved. You know, in Asia and the Philippines, we have this idea of face. Huh? It's called the shame factor. So if something happens, instead of dealing with it, you disappear. That's the Filipino style. Yeah. You're ashamed. So if half of you or some of you leave without announcement, it's because something happened. And in our, in our little church, somebody said so, to somebody, uh, <clears throat> how come... Uh, you didn't put $5 in the thing for lunch. She said, well, I didn't have it, so I'm going to have to borrow it. And she said something, and whatever she said offended that person, and she is no longer coming to church. Huh. Oh, amazing. Just one little thing. You can get offended. And we Filipinos have the knack of being offended very quickly. It's a shame factor. I'm not going there anymore. Uh-uh. No, the scripture says you go to that person, you work it out, you confess, you forgive one another, you embrace and you reconcile, and you move on. So you need to purify. By the way, I just, you know the devil prowls around the world, the flesh and the devil. I don't have time to go in. Guard your heart, Proverbs 23, 7. Your thought life is your heart. Your heart is your thought life, the mind. So how do you deal with this attack? And I'm almost done. First of all, purify your mind. Monitor your mind. Ephes of Psalm 119.9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. 
That's how you stay on track. You have to have a change of mind. Metanoia, the word. Change of mind. Pure hot thought life. But you know what? Cleanliness is almost impossible nowadays because you're constantly attacked. Every billboard, every magazine, and you name it. Whether it's the Philippines or here, you have naked women almost. You have stuff about, I don't know who this, who, who are these people? Car, car, Kardashians? You know, they, they're on every front page of everything. And their lifestyle, two or three husbands and why they've been, they have, unbelievable. And, and people are reading this stuff. That, is that your, your, your sense of standard? Huh? Do you know that U.S. News World Report had a front cover of a kid sitting on a curb with earplugs and some kind of MP3 thing. And a big article on how media has now changed our society. And I could see it. And there are 100,000 hours, 100,000 hours of listening to rock music from grade 7 to grade 12, it is only amazing that we are able to exist in a civilized society with the kind of junk you are being fed by the media. That's MP3s, that's TV, that's M MTV, etc. junk. And then I was looking at the F. Facebook. <laughs> and I saw there somebody was texting on Facebook who's a member of our church. And several times he's using the F word. I said, what? I said, what's going on? And I don't know how many people you know, you make these one statements. Uh, I'm doing this, da da da. What the? And that's coming from a Christian whose father is leadership. Are you texting stuff that shouldn't be on the text? The world will read it. And if you claim to be a CCFLA and a child of God, and you're doing that, stop it. Cleanliness is impossible. We need to cleanse ourselves. The Word of God is a cleaning agent. The Word is the cleaning agent. It's not Clorox, it's not Tide, it's not whatever, Melaleuca, whatever all these things. It is not anything but the word. John 15, 3. You look it up. Cleaning is catharsis. That is cleaning from the inside. You can be look good on the outside, but your inside is rotten. And you know it only when you are pushed to the brink and comes from your mouth the words that will belie the fact that you say that you're a spirit-filled Christian. 
So we need to be cleansed. We need to understand spiritual breathing. That's concept number four, Campus Crusade for Christ. To exhale is to confess. To inhale is to be filled and be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You need to know that daily, moment by moment. Don't wait till Sunday. When it happens, Lord, I, I, I sinned against you. Forgive me. Thank you for forgiving me. Now fill me with your spirit. Boom, move. And if I know that you're normal like me, you wait to deal with it. And when you wait, it's like unplugging the socket from the power source. Once you sin that God doesn't, he'll, plug, he'll pull the plug. It's gone. Oh, but you can go through it. You can be here. You can even be winning people to Christ. But the word of God does not return void. That's why they're coming to Christ. It's not because of you. Determine, determination. I'm almost done. The whole heart is involved. We need to turn to one, Psalm 119. I won't do that now. 10 to 15. Don't dabble in the word. The scripture says, draw nigh to God and be cleansed. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, seek him with all thy heart and mind, I would add. And Job, in Job 31 said, he made a covenant. What is the covenant? I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a young woman. And that's tough, man. In this day and age, it's not the first look, it's the second look. It's the third look. It's the dwelling. It's the David look. And he, he watched and he watched, and then the mind starts, and then you're done. And you will fall, you will fail, but you need to confess it and, and ask God to fill you again. So how do we fortify ourselves for this? Last point. Fortify. Not only are to purify, we are to be determined, meaning that it's with the whole heart. You have to really work at it because we're in a battle. You don't think we're in a battle, you're a dead duck. Fortification, Psalm 119.11. My word have I hid in my heart. How to make the word of real in your life? In your book here, there is a wonderful whole section on that. How to memorize. If you've been through it already, great. If not, look it over. There's a lot of stuff there. Here's what I come up with. Memorize, personalize it, verse 12 in uh, Psalm 119. Verbalize it, verse 13. I'm going to leave this up to you to look it up. Vitalize it, verse 14. Internalize it, verse 15. Why? So it becomes second nature. So that when something comes by and it's tempting you, you immediately the scripture verse will pop up. Flee, run. <laughs> We don't like to, you know what we like to do? We like to get up real close to the flame. I'm not burned yet. Ah, nice. 
and then it'll burn you. Okay? Philippians 4, 8 and 9 says, Think on these things which are true, honest, just, lovely, good report. Now, I rushed through this a little bit because I put three messages in one. I'm going to close with this. Bill Bright closed with this at every staff meeting because he knew. I want the ushers to pass out this sheet of paper right now. We're going to take about five minutes. It won't take long. For some of you, it might take longer. But as soon as you get this, I want it quiet. This is it's the discipline of silence, we call it. Not one word to anybody. Young people, I hope I have enough. If you're below uh, 10 years old or whatever, you, you, you don't need maybe to do this. But this is what I want you to do. Read it. Actually, it would be best if everybody scattered and nobody could look at you or see what you're writing. This is confidential. If you're sitting next to your wife, you might have something there <laughs> that you need to confess to her about. But I want to pray right now as you start this, as we end and start, that God will touch your heart, that you will have dreams, that you will see them become a reality. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for this time. Lord, we pray that we will be ready for the battle, not only with information, but with an attitude of submission to you and your power. And now we know, Father, that there are times when we do not deal with sin that come into our life. And Lord, we want to start our, our, our slate clean today. If there's anything, any word, Lord, to anyone, any attitude, any thought, any action that displeases you, Lord, and we have not come to you to ask for forgiveness, Lord, might this be the time. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins and, and, and he, will, he will truly cleanse you, forgive you. you will, that's a promise. The cleansing power of God because of his shed blood. So I pray now, Lord Jesus, as they think through that the Spirit of God which is in them will point out the areas that are keeping them from maximizing their life for you. And if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus, who has never received Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, I pray now that you would just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiveness of my sins. Come into my heart now as you promised. I invite you. I believe you. I trust you with my life. Make me the kind of person that you want me to be. Thank you, Lord, for coming in. You prayed that prayer. It's not by feeling. It's by fact that Christ has entered your life and will change it. Lord, thank you now for this time. As they write, 
as you as you point out in their lives the things that need to be confessed, and that, Father, as they claim the promise of forgiveness and cleansing, that they will be ready for what you have for them, the dreams that will truly come true. In Christ's name, amen. Don't stop writing. When you're finished, you write across it after you prayed. I hope you prayed that prayer and then prayed it now. Lord, forgive me of this, 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 this. Be specific. Write across of it one first John one night and then rip it up. I don't want you to show it to anybody. You rip it up. I don't know whether it's a trash can here. Throw it away. This needs to occur all the time, but not in this form. You understand what I'm saying? Because as long as you let sin reign in your life, even the smallest little thing, you are cut off from the maximum power that God can give you. And you're living a carnal life. Amen? All right, now, if you need more time, some of you, because your list is long, then so be it. Now, let me just close with this. If you need to go to somebody and say, you know, I'm sorry, do it. You might lose. You, that's hard for me. No, 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 no. God will give you the power. Go to them, you know, and humbly say, you know, God just pointed this out. I, you know, I've had some bad feelings towards you, and I want to confess it, and I have, and I want to say out to you, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Hey, <laughs> that's the way it's about. That's what it's about. That's why Christ died for you, that that can happen. If you need to do that, if you owe somebody some money and you never paid them back, <laughs> no, hey, that is a big deal. If you say, oh, I, you know, I, I, if you have 50 bucks, I'll, I'll, I'll pay back, and you never, you never paid it back. Don't you think that's in their brain when they see you? Don't you think that the, the Satan will pull, pull that out of your frontal below there and say, $50, you never pay me back. And you smile and everything in front of them. You still owe me 50 bucks, but I can't tell you. Pay them back. You see what happens. You see what happens. You think this anniversary that you're, you're going to, is going to be big? You wait. When all of you here knows what it means to walk moment by moment in the power of his Holy Spirit and do what he's asked you to do. And by the way, you need to share your faith with somebody at least once a week. Some way, somehow. We used to have a seminar on how to make the transitions to do that. But you know what? This still works. This still works. This was not around when we started Campus Crusade for Christ. We wrote it on napkins. We memorized it. You don't need to have this. You can do it right away. God loves you. has a wonderful plan for you. Man is sinful and suffering for God. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. You must receive Christ. Boom. <laughs> Bill Bright led people to Christ everywhere. Why? He knew how to make the transition. He didn't go through the whole thing. He wrote three circles. We were waiting at L.A. airport, and the, the, the bus guy, and the, the 
Bill won't three, and the baggage were late, was late. He said, by the way, uh, see these three circles? You're in one of them. And in 15 seconds, the guy said, oh, I don't know which one, I think I'm here. Would you like to be here? Yeah. You know how that happened? Pray this prayer. Pray the prayer, it became a Christian right there. Within three minutes. Because some people are already prepared for that. They're already ready. Those who are not ready, then you take a little more time. The other night at UCLA, so, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to get out of here. At UCLA, the FCA and Rosie's cousin, who's in charge of all us, I goes, former star quarterback for Florida State University, Chris Ricks. We had 700 high school athletes from all over the country there. And guess what? 350 of them made decisions for Christ. Now, you have the capacity to do the same thing. You just have to find a way to get all of those young people to something. It could be a concert. It could be whatever, athletic event. And then, boom, hit them with music and a presentation of gospel. Go one-on-one, -on -one, share the faith, boom, right there. You watch. People are waiting for you to come to Christ. And within a few months, this you, you will outgrow this, this building. I predict it. I pray for it. And my wife and I are available when we can be to be of any assistance. Because we love you. We care for you. Because we have some kind of investment in where you are because of what happened in 1965 in the Philippines. Can we give God the glory this morning?